Well, hey, everyone, and this is the last episode of the season, so I'm Brad. Nailed it! I'm Brandon. 15 oh, times a charm. Right this time. How about that? <laughs> I mean, we just did it just to ruffle your impressive. feathers. How are we doing, boys? Good to see you. Finally. Oh, it's good to see you. Guys. Finally. Doing well. How about you? Yes, guys? yes. You're uh, a little bit of a cliffhanger point there, Brian. Uh, there's some ladies in the house that we're going to introduce in just a few minutes. Uh, guys, I'm not sure if you've had the chance to fully listen to our most recent episode with Charles Johnson um, to go through a listen. Hold oh, one of the most powerful conversations I've ever been a part of. Incredible. Yeah, his insight was fantastic. So fantastic. And, I mean, I think I've listened to it three times now in its entirety. It's just really special episode and i'm glad we could meet him and have his support and and to support what he's doing is incredible yeah it's like one of those things i've been messaging on the side outside our group just like yo oh my god i took this jewel yeah. away from you oh my god i took this power this power message away from you fantastic the outreach Fan. has been incredible fantastic wow that's right. I'm I'm rocking my uh, four Kira four moms shirt here for the last episode. A little love to Charles. Um, nice. So if you didn't get a chance to listen nice. to our most recent conversation on racial injustice and inspiring change with Charles Johnson, highly recommend that you click pause on this one. Take an hour and forty six minutes of your life to go listen to that one because it's incredible, and that's going to be a perfect segue to mm -hmm. our finale of season one. Uh, which, frankly, I couldn't be more excited about. But, guys, it's our last episode. Like, that's insane, isn't it, that we're already at the end of season one? I can't believe it. It's, where did the time go? I can't believe we've recorded all these episodes and connected with all these listeners. I mean, it feels like we just started this. Yeah. Literally, that's how this started. Like, it started literally from a dream, and now, like, we have this fully, 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 like, just... Yeah, you got people still contacting us every day about just everything and anything. So it's awesome. To be kudos to you guys, number one. Community too, like we kind Agreed. of joined. We already existed, and obviously we're all part of it. But you know, to just join this bigger community and just see the love and support from all of our listeners, it's just something that I never knew it could be this big or you know powerful in our lives. So you know, thanks for listening, and God, let's do this season finale. Yeah. Yeah, we got a great one in store for you. So as, as we've said, this is the end of season one, but don't worry, we're not going anywhere. Season two is uh, right around the corner. We're just taking a little bit of a break. Mm -hmm. uh, fellas, what's the plans for the off season here? Like baseball. Yeah, I mean, we're in, that, we're in Smashville baseball. right now. Um, everybody listening probably thinks I go on vacation uh, with my wife all the time since you we do. were in Hilton Head for the Father Sam episode. But no, we're, you know, it's, Connecticut's beautiful this time of year. So I think we're going to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, with the kids and go to the beach and enjoy each other. Beautiful. What are you guys? Hey. Ooh, nice. Baseball, <laughs> go Blue Jays. Football, preseason. Maybe hang out with some yeah, family. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we'll run into you guys. Maybe golf with you this Sunday. We'll see. Maybe. Uh, no, I agree. I, you know, taking we'll take about two months off of recording, crossed. but for uh, listeners, we're still going to be heavily engaged on our social channels, on emails, 
Uh, we're going to take this as an opportunity to join other podcasts. We've been reached out to uh, by you know other similar, uh, especially moms podcasts that would like to have us on for a dad perspective. So you'll you'll still hear these three sultry voices on other airwaves over the next coming weeks and months until we join you back for season two. But there, I honestly I don't think there's a more fitting way for us to end this incredible first season of Guys in Grief than the episode that we're about to do. Um, you know, guys, if we rewind the clock back to November, when we first started having these conversations, the first people that I spoke to are essentially the five other faces that I'm staring at right now. And, you know, none of us would be hosting this or a part of this community if it wasn't for our incredible spouses. Um, we wouldn't, it was, this wouldn't be possible. And, you know, we recognize that many of our listeners are women. Many of our followers and our messages that we receive on social and email are women. Uh, many of our conversations and topics that we cover off with guests are about trying to sustain a healthy marriage, um, how to be a supportive spouse. And so we thought this would be an amazing opportunity to close out season one with a conversation with our incredible wives. And so I am honored to introduce Brian's wife, Lindsay, Brandon's wife, Joellen, and my wife, Jessica. Hi, ladies. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi. Woo! Yeah, it's good to have you on. <laughs> good to be here. We're so excited to have you, ladies. Thank you for your vulnerability and bravery in doing this. I know this, is, this has been a long time coming. Right? <laughs> yeah. We've talked about this one for a while and, you know, the emotional waves of doing this mm -hmm. and being vulnerable. And many of the times we've talked about it has butted right up to one of our anniversaries of, you know, either a birth date or a lost date or a special date. And we have a whole episode where we talk about anniversaries and the difficulty of that. So uh, proud that we've pivoted in those moments, but we're here now and so excited to have this conversation with you all. Uh, what we got to find out is who's your dad and what does he do? So that's a really important part of this freaking thing. Uh, Joellen, my incredible sister, do you want to introduce yourself? You know, where you're from, what you do, all that fun stuff? Um, sure. I'm Joellen. I'm Brad's sister and Brandon's wife. Lucky him. Um, I'm Which one? Mom and Gabby's mom. Heck yeah. Gabby is six. And Story just celebrated her fourth heavenly birthday on Friday. I'm sure you know all about stories. Story. And Joellen, what do you do professionally? I'm an assistant principal. Um, I worked at a charter school for 17 years. Um, so I've been there, I feel like, my whole adult life. And who's your hey. shittiest employee? <laughs> right next to me in the box. You know, ready, ready for the draft. Yeah, that's right. Brandon, you're on mute, by the way, bud. Hey. I'm, I'm better now. Sorry. I was trying to be quiet. We're in the same household. She's so got you, know you on that lockdown. Goes. That's what it is. She's got you well trained. Mute yourself. <laughs> Hush it, okay? I did. I muted myself immediately. I'm like, you know what? Let me be quiet while the, while the, while right. the boss is speaking. Jessica, do you want to do the same? Sure. Hi, I'm Jessica. I am Brad's wife and Ashton's mom and Beckham's mom and Ariana's mom. Um, I am a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> Lots of mom in here. Um, 
that's that's previous life me. before a stay-at-home mom previous life i was a disney princess and mm. um broadway musical theater actress and new york city and and now we're doing the mom thing love it <laughs> yes everybody i don't know if i married cinderella that's pretty awesome can't believe it took me 15 episodes to drop that gem <laughs> i did Here's she me. clearly has poor taste in men but aside from that all good uh and certainly last but not least Lindsay. Hi, I'm Lindsay. I am married to this handsome man right here. And um, I am the mother to Carlin, our first, Austin, our beautiful, beautiful baby boy who passed away, and um, Grace and Evie, our rainbow babies. And um, I'm a speech pathologist, and I work with amazing, amazing young adults, 18 to 22 years old. They're so cool. And um, Recently finished my doctorate. So, Lindsay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Glad it's over. Clearly much smarter than me, too, if that's not evident. <laughs> um, but you, you did go to Cornell, so we'll give you a little bit of intelligence, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies, we are so honored to have you here. I think this conversation is going to be incredibly powerful. And, and fellas, I'll kick off with the first question here, and then we can... Um, just keep it really fluid, but this is almost going to be a little bit kind of like, uh, like a, a episode full of G and G Q and A's or like a nobody prepares you for type of thing where we just cover off a bunch of topics that we think are really relevant that I'm seeing this for the listeners, um, that are relevant for the relationship dynamic of husband and wife through this and supporting your spouse and the questions that you wish you could have asked your wife or you wish you ladies, you could ask your husband and we're putting ourselves out here in full vulnerable aspect, right? We're, uh, we're hoping that we'll model the behavior and the things that are leading to healthy marriages and being healthy parents to living children and to our lost children. Um, and we have not prepped for this conversation as far as like what we're planning on saying. So this is going to be raw and real. Um, but we felt like that was the most important way to do this too. So let's jump in. Um, ladies, uh, what you've gone through was unbelievably traumatic. And obviously, from a male's perspective, the the grieving loss and heavy heart is, is very real. The physical and emotional toil on you all as women, obviously, is a, is a whole other dimension. We could spend hours talking about that piece. But recognizing the context of guys and grief, talk to us a little bit about what it was like going through grief and your loss and looking to your right or left and seeing Brad, Brian, or Brandon, seeing your husband grieving and the pros and cons and the things where, you know, either where we were helpful or where you felt unheard or, you know, how you were trying to navigate your own grief simultaneously. What was that like trying to be a supportive spouse while you were also going through grief? Tables open. Yes, go so, for it. <laughs> so I'll be the first to say that I I couldn't support anybody. I couldn't support myself. And I definitely couldn't support you, Brad. I couldn't um, begin to hold myself up or hold anybody else up. It was um, trying to keep swimming and trying to stay above water. And that was something that I know was so hard for you be because 
you needed support and I, I couldn't give it to you. And that I felt so guilty about that. I still feel guilty about that. But it in through therapy and, and through, you know, learning more about myself, I realized that that was, it was all I could do. <laughs> and it just, you just go day to day and try and keep living <laughs> literally for a while. And, um, and then you realize that your spouse needs you as well. And, um, you know, I feel like I support you more now, but I certainly at the time and for a long time had had nothing left to to give to you at the end of the day. And that's wasn't fair to you. But I think that's a that's realistic. And I think that's that's something that probably most wives feel and most husbands feel unsupported and most wives feel empty. Great points. Yeah, I mean, that was real. Appreciate you sharing that. You know, because I think we talk a lot about on the podcast where a lot of guys feel like they want to take the like pain of the grief. And, um, you know, I think there's lots of different personalities of, of people listening. Um, but I think that's very honest. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, so it's it's hard to, you know, give support when you're in so much pain. Um, I can go next. Yeah. I. Um, after Story died, I, for the life of me, could not understand why Brandon wasn't, like, grieving like I was. Like, it made no sense to me. It, it did. I didn't understand why he could, like, make it through a sentence, why he could cook dinner, why he could do the laundry, um, why he could communicate with other people. Like, um, there was some times where I was able to do that, but then there was, like times where we put Gabby to bed and I'm sobbing and I couldn't tell you exactly why at that moment, but I was expecting him to be doing the same. And so I'm like, I'm crying and I want you to be crying too. And I want you to be wanting to go up to bed and cry too. And I want you to be holding her teddy bear and crying too. And I, it didn't make any sense to me why it almost felt to me like he was just moving on with life. Um, but you know, now, four years later, it even four or five months later, it became more clear that that was just a coping mechanism and he was as devastated as I was. But in that first six, eight weeks, I was like, I don't effing understand. Like, why am I sitting here, can barely get myself off the couch every night, and you're just sitting here till two, three o'clock in the morning watching shows? Like... I don't get it. And so I had a really hard time with that. Um, and I mean, it makes much more sense to me now. And we're able to talk about that now. But in that moment, it was like, I just expect him to, I expected him to match my energy on all of that emotion. And he just wasn't there. But looking back at it, I don't think we would have made it through had we both been like, exactly. under, you know, like <laughs> hiding in the closet, crying, like we would never made it through. So it took both of us. Did I you think, guys talk about that at all? Yeah, and it's kind of different because yeah. Well, we have like it's it's different because that was a different part because normally me and Joellen are so much on the same page quite a bit. So like for that to be like a separation for us, like we spoke about that maybe a couple of years ago. Like, you know, I wasn't up just watching TV. Like there are some moments I'm sitting with just the TV on but I'm looking at, you know, our global story and I'm going to have my own like moment, like conversation, so on and so forth to kind of 
you know, vent and get this off. Then, like we said in a previous podcast, you know, I had to, well, I didn't have to, but I decided to, you know, put that protective wear gear on and I'll make sure the house is good, but my, you make sure everyone's fed in the house, homework's done, so on and so forth, you know, and I called so on on and so forth. Brad, you got me again. <laughs> but uh, you did. <laughs> But uh, moving forward with that, you know, I, I just want to be the protector of the household. And, and that's where, you know, I, I felt the most comfortable. Lindsay, I love your role, perspective I here, guess. too, because then uh, oh, I, I never heard that add on to sort of the guy's perspective of that. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, I can relate a lot to um, you all talking about, kind of, you know, grieving in, in different ways and and thinking about another piece of that is that, you know, Brian and I, we definitely grieved in our own way. Um, but some some ways were very similar. And I think one of the ways that we were super similar in our grief was the emotions that we felt were self-directed, like the anger. It was self-directed. It was mm -hmm. self-loathing. It the was guilt. Yeah. the guilt was I am the I don't deserve to live right when my baby is dead that it was directed at ourselves. And so I would blame myself and Brian blamed himself. And in, in seeing that, you know, when he would express himself, which was a beautiful thing to, you know, to be open and communicate and be vulnerable and really helped us get through it. Um, but also to see that, you know, I, I would think to myself, like, I, I just lost my baby and, you know, am I going to lose him too? And, you know, so, so that was the, the fear of, you know, what, could could this grief take away you know something even 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 more than i've already lost so that wow. was challenging you all bring up such amazing point. We've heard a lot from guests on this. Obviously, the reason we start with this conversation of this topic is because it resonates so much. And one thing that we've kind of talked about a little bit on the pod, but even offline, for those of you that don't know, like Brandon, Brian, and I sit and we talk for like an hour and a half after every recording and we just chit chat on this stuff. And one thing that I think we've all collectively found is that it's, it's such an interesting dynamic of the world where men and women experience everything in the world from a different perspective as a generalization, right? The way we think about, you know, sports or having children in the first place or, you know, what's important in our life. Like we just experience the world in a very different way. And that is socially acceptable and very socially norm. For some reason, though, when it comes to this grief shit, we feel <laughs> like we should be doing it the exact same way. And we as men wonder, why are you ladies mm. doing it the way that you are? And ladies, you know, to your points that you were saying, Joe, very honestly, like, why isn't Brandon sobbing in the corner right now? And for some reason, we just sort of generally expect that our spouse is doing the same thing or they should be doing that. And isn't that an unreasonable expectation? Because we don't expect that of each other in any other sense of how we experience the world, right? It's a great Open point. question. Open comment. Totally. I mean, I think that in those moments though, you can't even see, all you see is what you're feeling. Yep. So it's so hard to even begin to see that someone else could see it differently. Like there's just no Great room point. for that in the moment. There was no, at least for me, there was, I had no more space to fill with anything other than what I was feeling. So I didn't have the space to figure out what was going on with you because Joe, I feel the same way. I had that same, 
response of like, what is going on? You're just going to work and laughing with your colleagues and good for you, but I'm down here sobbing and trying to take care of a two-year-old. And that's, and you know, that, that's tough, but I think that's what most people end up going through. Don't, you just don't understand each other's grieving process when you're like in the deep, deep throes of it. Great point. Also, I, I don't know. I, that made me just think of two different things. One is like all of our other aspects of our life are like a choice. Like I choose to mm. love sports. Brandon chooses to love sports and collectively we love sports. And yeah. um, I choose to hate the gym and Brandon sometimes pretended <laughs> like the gym, but we mostly hate <laughs> Like we collectively you know, hate the gym. Collectively hate the gym. Like I'd rather not go to the gym. <laughs> this was like forced on us, and then now we both have to be. Like, oh, we're doing this right now. Like right now, the mm-hmm. baby's dead, and we have to figure out each other with that. Um, and then my other thought about it was just like, I, I don't know. Like people die, obviously, but like people that are like in your household don't die when you're 30 40 years old so there's no you know like when you're older or I don't know like god willing years down the line one of us loses a parent you know like we're gonna there's gonna be different perspectives of that grief but like to have that death like to be forced to grieve in in this like thrust upon way in it with such a close, like intimate relationship is just stuff that nobody can even like help you with. Cause it just doesn't happen to people. Most people. It's a great, I hadn't thought about it that way. Good point. Go ahead, Brad. Yeah, that's really good. And another point was brought up that I, I think is interesting. How did you women feel like when we went back to work and, you know, I know it's different for kind of different jobs and what people do, but in general, like, what did you think when we went back to work and you saw us interacting with people that maybe wasn't like grieving and sadness? Like, did was there a part of you that kind of wishes we didn't or like talk a little bit about that? I'm like, go ahead, Joe. <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I feel like Brandon and I are probably a little bit different than everybody else. Um, we work at the same school. And so obviously the entire student body knew that I was nine months pregnant mm-hmm. at all 500 students and staff knew that I had worked my last day and that three days from now we'd bring home a baby. And like everyone knew that. So I never went back to school the rest of that school year. Um, but a while later, Brandon did, I don't really remember when. Um, and I, Felt like I was kind of okay with that. Um, I knew he, you know, we had to, there's no paternity leave, no maternity leave when you don't bring home a baby. Like you're just kind of on your own time. And our our employer, our school was so generous and the staff was so generous and giving us days and what we needed. Um, But, you know, he needed to go back. But I don't know if it's just that we, we work in such like a female dominated field also that I knew that him going back to be to work would actually be like super emotional for him because everybody at work is going to be asking like all the teachers the kids the kids don't know like they don't know that it's weird to be like so did you have your baby you know like sure um but I remember like those 
I felt like I was ready for it. And then those couple days leading up to him leaving where I was just going to be home all day by myself. I was like freaked out. Like you can't leave me. What am I going to do all day? Um, but I also knowing that we worked together, I didn't feel like he drove out of the driveway and got to like, just go put this in a box for a little bit and like go to like real life. Cause like real life for us is everyone knowing about everything we do. So for us, it was a little bit different than probably um, for Lindsay and Jess. Yeah, I'll say that for Brad working in our home, um, you know, he was, we were during COVID, so he was working upstairs. And at the time we were in Connecticut, so he was working downstairs. Yeah. And I could hear every conversation. I could hear him laughing and trying to just, you know, go on with colleagues and just be normal. And that was super hard for me. I will say that I resented that at times because I didn't get that release. I didn't get that space of trying to escape yeah. and and go to a place and just try and be Jessica or even just be Ashton's mom or be anything else. I was just right in it. And he had that, not that going to work isn't easier because I can guarantee that it's not, but him having those moments of normalcy for me, it was really tough because I could hear it. It was just right there. And, um, you know, it was not long when he went back to work. You know, we lost Beckham on a Thursday. He went back to work on Monday. So, like, it was very soon and it was in our home and it was hard. It was hard to listen to and hard to, and I, I can't imagine how hard it was for him to just carry on and act like everything was okay. No, you're totally right. Um, but at the same time, it was really, it was really hard to hear. In, in doing what I do, uh, for those who don't know, I'm in recruiting. I, I lead HR recruiting for a, a large real estate company. You know, what we're doing, and, and Brian, you're in sales too, right? Like you have to put on the personality. You're trying to attract people to come and want to work for your employer. So my heart was unbelievably heavy, but I've mentioned this on the pod. Like I knew I was having these conversations and literally on the opposite side of the door was my grieving wife. And that heaviness was super... Uh, it weighed on my heart, but it was like, it was one of those decision points of where what I can do right now is pour myself into my work. You know, I, I'm the sole provider for our family financially. The best thing that I can try to do is put on a brave face and try to, you know, as Brandon says, keep the house moving forward, keep it moving. Yeah. Um, thank God you were able to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't, I'm not did that well. It's a good point. Lynn, how about you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I think that I was fortunate in the sense that we were fortunate in the sense that um, that Brian doesn't have like being fully commissioned. He's fully commission based, and so he doesn't have hours that he has to report into work. So he was able to take some time, and we were able to be together. And I think we were fortunate in having yeah. that time. It wasn't like nine we, to five. I'm gone. Right. Know? Yeah. If I was sad, I'd just go home, you know, and, or if she was mm-hmm. sad, right. you know. Yeah. And, and at the time, but I know that that was also super stressful because where, you know, when he doesn't have hours, if he's not working, being all commission. It, Good point. Yeah. Did you feel that way and, at the time? Yeah. Like when I was leaving. When you were leaving at the time at first, 
Um, and I, I had been home with the boys as well at the time. So I didn't have a, you know, a job I was going back to, I was home and, um, I was scared. I was just, I was scared. I was scared to be alone. Um, I was in such a dark place that, you know, I didn't know where my mind was going to go once he was gone. I, I knew no matter what I was going to keep going for my living son. I always knew that at the end of the day, I was not going to do anything because he needed me and I was going to be there. Um, but it was still a really, really intensely dark place to be in. And so when you went back, I think it was, you know, really just tough thinking that and I don't know if this is going to make sense, but like thinking you were going to this place that was like a little bit lighter, you know, and I was, and I was still just yeah. in the heaviness just yeah. every second. 100%. I felt that in my own house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Joe. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I felt this strongly about Gabby, but I also felt it about Brandon that since Dory died, now anybody's up for grabs. Like now everyone's going to die. So yes, everyone's going to die. Brandon goes to work. Brandon's going to die. And mm-hmm. like uh, nobody's safe yep. unless they're like in our house with us. And like, so I had a hard time with Break that it. for years. Like I eased up on that more. Like, you know, I let Brandon out the house once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Everybody's locked. That's why we're in separate rooms. <laughs> but with Gabby, I mean, I still like, there's still times where mom and dad are like, let me take Gabby down to Brad and Jess's and she can hang out with Ash. And I'm like, that's three hours in the car. What, what, I don't know. And I'm like, still like if story can die, Gabby can die. And I can like, yeah. I'm getting better yeah. with it. But you know, when Brandon went back to work, I had a hard time with that. Like that first year I thought like, we're all going down. Mm-hmm. We just were on vacation in Nashville right now. And the second we got on the plane and it took off, I was like, what did I do? Oh the down, I just, I, the whole family's going to die. Mm-hmm. You know? Second and, there's turbulence. You're just yeah. like, oh my God. I think this is a great segue into kind of our next point of, you know, mm-hmm. talking about it, the immediate time after our losses and, how difficult it was to support, um, you know, your spouse. What what did you guys do as a couple and as women to sort of get out of that, um, you know, emo- sadness or, you know, was it, com- we talk a lot about communication. Was it something like that? Or what, what experiences and generalities did you have that helped get out of sort of the different grieving emotions? Sure. <laughs> Go, Lynn. Um, I mean, for myself, I knew right away that um, I was going to have to work really hard and really consciously on my healing um, if I was going to, you know, continue to live. And so I knew that I, I needed help and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do this on my own. And so I really seeked out um I, I questioned everything and seeked out everything. I went to like a ghost church and <laughs> there was like, there were, um, what do you call it? Not a mediator. 
Medium. A medium. medium. A medium. So like search, just searching, searching, searching for my son, right? And um, but in in finding, you know, different ways to try and heal, I did find things that I really connected with. And one of them was journaling, um, writing, uh, reading, like everything. And I would read something and then I would write and respond to it. And once I, my thoughts were looping, I would have the same thought. And if I just kept it in my head, it would get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so if I put it down on paper, it would help to control the thoughts and kind of like bring me back to a center. And so that was really helpful. Yeah. And I um, thought that helped but, a lot with our communication with, too, because uh, you were kind of, yeah. Yeah. And as, especially with us, like to keep our marriage together, it was like connection through communication. It was yeah. like, all things communication we and we mm -hmm. did we had a living child and in front of him we didn't want to you know be super open we still we wanted to give him a sense of safety right and and happiness in his life um but something that we did that i think was really really important was every single day even if it was at the end of the day once you know colin was asleep we checked in with each other and we were totally open and totally vulnerable and you know where are you at today this is where i'm at today and even if it wasn't the same place even if we weren't in the same place we would just hear each other and not judge each other just like i hear you and i'm here for you and it's beautiful but thank you yeah and i that's really hard to do. I want to applaud you guys for that first and foremost. Yeah. Like that's really well, hard to I, do. I was going to say it, it took time too. It wasn't like, yeah, we're, we're communicating really well right after this. Like the first two weeks, it, it was silence. Like it was lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, Surviving. having family members like feed us through a spoon. Like it was that like crazy. Mm -hmm. But then it gets to a point where it's like, okay, we, we have to communicate. And I, and I know there's a lot of people, listeners that can relate to that. It's just eventually it comes to a head and you got to, I think communication and, and sharing love and support mm -hmm. um, because I think we felt the guilt and guilt can really, you know, lead to a lot of other fucked up emotions and it was really important for us to tell each other that we thought one another was a great parent and that yeah. Thing, yeah. you know that's important and that right and yeah. we would always do that too you know when i was like i feel like the worst mother in the world you know why couldn't i why couldn't i have saved him and and you know you would be right there and and brian was always like you're such a great mom like you're you know you're so loving you're you're a great person and hearing that, you know, would, would really help to bring mm. me back. I mean, I think it helped to keep my yeah. marriage together and I know it helped to keep me. Reassure. What about you, Jess? What, what kind of brought you out of that um, sort of funk where, you know, you and Brad could really connect again? You know, I will admit that I shut down pretty, pretty strongly. Um, I, as much as I wanted Brad to communicate with me, I don't think I communicated with him. We did, but not probably. Um, you know, I 
I, I will be the first to admit, I did not do this well. <laughs> I've been really, um, I struggled for a very long time and I still do. Yeah. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think I um, took a lot of it on myself and would just shut down and just not, um, I would try to kind of just keep it all in internally and I wouldn't tell him things that I was feeling or like triggered something that would trigger yeah. me. I wouldn't tell him. And that was not the right move. And I, I have learned that now that like, if I'm feeling triggered, I just tell him. And that has helped us so much. Um, for instance, on his birthday last year, the poor guy had the worst birthday in the whole world. Um, you know, I had this, like I had things planned. I was all excited. And then he wanted to make pizzas and we had bought this uni pizza oven like Shut up, three Joel. days after Ari had <laughs> telling you three days oh. after Ari died, we bought this pizza oven yeah. in the middle I was of the drunk night. And there was you a know, this very expensive yeah, pizza oven. It was lit it was literally like the middle of the night on like yeah, Black Friday. I, I bought something to make pizza in the future. Yeah. <laughs> right. Totally bought. Um and so yeah. we bought this pizza oven. We hadn't used it yet. Now it's like May. And we're going to use this pizza oven. And I, as soon as he said pizzas, I was like, shit, we're going to have to use that stupid oven. And I don't even want to get it out because it has just, it just had, a, it had an aura about it that I was not a fan of. And so we are going to make these pizzas and it was a fucking disaster. And I like completely ruined his birthday. And I didn't say anything about like the stupid pizza oven can go to hell because it's triggering me and making me think about our dead children. I didn't say that. I just let it pretend to be me making a scene where like it was completely about like we bought this three days after our baby died and I just don't want to ever look at it again. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's I think there's a lot of that in this grieving process where like if you're not open and communicating and saying like this is triggering me. Like then your, your husband's not a you're not a mind reader like you can't know everything that's triggering and it might trigger me and it he had no idea that that had any like it was about pizza i i had a nervous breakdown at Joel and brandon's house about um the Steelers. Oh, the Steelers lost and i was in absolute crisis like sobbing hysterically but the Steelers had won until the day my beckham died and then they they had won 11 games straight and then beckham died and then they lost all of the rest of the games and it was like oh this is my life and, you know, I mean, I think there's just things that make no sense and mm -hmm. your, your spouse is going to do things that make absolutely no sense, but they, it's, it's purposeful. It's, it's, yeah. it means something yeah. to them. And if you don't communicate that, then it just seems sometimes outrageous, but it comes from a place of just not knowing how to grieve. Yeah. Talk about mm -hmm. some of the angry outbursts as guys that we would have at random people on the street like as a relationship we were fighting over stupid shit that hell yeah now you're mm -hmm. like oh my god it, it, it clearly was the grief and the sadness yeah. but you know we're fighting over what restaurant to order from you know it's like right. it's crazy so mm -hmm. i want yeah. our listeners to know like we're saying this because I, I think what Jess said was important. It's a common, yeah. You know, Linz and I. It's so normal. Yeah, and, and to the fine people at Uni, uh, you guys, if you want to be a sponsor one day, you are welcome. <laughs> uh, your pizzas are delicious. We love your pizzas. We figured out how to use it. It took a moment. 
Um, oh, just you're also being a little hard on yourself. Um, you know, and as I've mentioned multiple times on the pod, you know, mm-hmm. both of our losses were in the heart of COVID, especially Beckham. So there was no escaping each other, which that was in and of itself was maddening for everybody. Um, but there was no outlets, let alone on top of grief. And one thing that you were really good about where, again, you're being a little hard on yourself is we did Friday date nights and you were always really thoughtful we about did. We did. We like, started having something that wasn't just sitting down and watching old episodes of fucking Bar mm-hmm. Rescue or something. It was an actual, <laughs> you did a whole Disney yeah. day, like the whole, that's good cocktail shaking there, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, but, you know, pouring ourselves into some healthy outlets um, they may not have felt, Absolutely. you know, massive at the time, but in hindsight, those really, those moments matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think like Absolutely. T- taking Absolutely. a trip too, like Absolutely. doing something like I know Brian and I, we took a couple of trips and we were like, we just can't be in this space, like this physical mm-hmm. space, like just get us out. There's just so mm-hmm. much here. Everything I look at is a memory. And so, you know, we would take. I remember we, we went to a Kelly Clarkson concert. And hey. Hey. Not complaining. So good. Did you? Oh my she God. Kelly Clarkson. She's so good. I told you. So good. So good. <laughs> you know, just like get, yeah, so just good. getting up and, you know, getting out and being in a different space. And it even like opened us up for communicating in a different way. Right. Yeah. And we've heard it Mm -hmm. from our listeners. Like how many guests did we interview when we asked them like the stages after their loss? Like a lot of, we heard a lot of Disney trips. Yeah. Water park trips. Oh yeah. Not a lot of Kelly Clarkson concerts, but we'll lump you in there, bud. Joe B. That was the first time I had worn mascara. Because I thought I would go like a couple, like an hour without crying, which was major, <laughs> major. And, um, and, but what was I thinking? It's Kelly Clarkson. Of course I'm going to cry. Of course you're going to cry. <laughs> you're crying. You're crying. For sure. Yeah. I had mascara down to my chin. Yeah. It was, it was still, yeah. it was, a, yeah. it was a great night. What about you, Joe? Like, what did, what did you guys do to... <laughs> Yeah. The one thing I was going to say was travel. Like the first couple of weeks, you could barely like wipe your mm-hmm. ass and get off the couch. But like it was about a month out and we just randomly were like, let's go to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. That's Why weird. not? I don't know. Like, I don't even know. Why. Mm-hmm. Were the movies in Cincinnati? There was no reason. I don't, I don't know. For the zoo. But uh, we, I no, we went, we went so for the we zoo more so Cincinnati. than anything. And then I feel like that just felt good. So we just kept doing it. Like, then we came home and we were like, well, let's go camping and let's go here and let's go to Toronto and let's go. Like, we just were gone. Um, But the other thing that we spent that we're still very heavily involved in is our support group. Um, We are so, I mean, I could talk for hours on this podcast about how unfair the treatment that people in our position get at different hospitals I mean, we just lucked out. My doctor practiced at a hospital where they had an amazing grief counselor and she has in turn trained all the nurses and doctors and every aspect of it. And we just lucked out. We came home with a hundred pictures, professionally done, free pictures of the bay of story and like all sorts of stuff that I've now realized I just took for granted, I guess. Like 
there's so many parents that we talked to up here that went to a different hospital and they saw their baby for an hour. And that was the end of the, that was the end of it. You know, like yeah. they don't have any counselors. They don't have any support group. Um, so, you know, we lucked out in that way. And the grief counselor that we connected with has now just really like become our friend. Like we're really close with her and shout out to Amy. All the time. Mm-hmm. And we still faithfully go to support group every single month. Um, and in those, you know, that first year plus, it was um, like just part, like just something I had to do. Like I had to go and I wanted to go more than it was even offered. And, um, you know, now, now it's once a, once a month and we still go once a month, but it's an opportunity every single month where I get to tell somebody about story who doesn't already know, yeah. because like everybody in your life already knows about her. And then you're like, well, people stop asking, like, what's there to tell? Like, mm-hmm. I have no update, you know, like she didn't call me. So mm-hmm. like, I, I keep, nobody wants to hear the same story over and over and over. So when I go to support group, there's always someone who has no idea who she is that I get to tell all about her. Um, so support group was really great for us. It still is. Um, I think Brandon was really good about letting me just like unload all of my feelings, but then he'd be like, okay. Okay. Like, are you feeling the same? And like, um, but not really like responding. And then I'd be like that. Okay. And then responding storm off the bed or something. But, um, can I, can I interject on that? Going through support mm-hmm. group and has helped me communicate a lot better yeah. from that point to now. Just on, you know, I, I am a great soundboard when it comes Amen. to just someone just venting off information. I'll listen, mm-hmm. but now me communicating back is a lot better. But no, I just be like, <laughs> okay, kind words. All right, back to my show. Like, I, and that, that's just how I was. I'm taking everything in and I, yeah, I wanted I hear to you. be more than heard, I guess, at the time. Are you okay? Like, I wanted something back. And so we were not on the same page as Agreed. Like that mm-hmm. for, for a while at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there were fights. There was arguments. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Brian said, for sure. I mean, everyone wasn't peaches and cream around here. So, I mean, we might feel like peaches and cream right now, but at that point, it was it a wrap. Sure as hell is. And ooh, is the peaches and cream mm-hmm. a nice transition to our next topic here? And it's really weird with my sister on the podcast. I'm really weird with my sister on the podcast. Yeah. Dance with me. Dance with me. You good, bud? You good? I was going to bust in some Marvin Gaye, but I'm great. I'm you went the now. whole 112 route. No, I went real 112. Yeah. If you're going to go, you're going to go. If you're going to go, you're going to go. They're no jagged edge, but don't. anyways, but. No. No, that's, that's a whole bars. other argument. By Check the way. Bars. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk intimacy, people. Um, one of the most difficult bow, bow, components bow. of going through loss is finding yourself getting intimate again with your spouse. And this is a topic that we, I, I mean, Justin and I have talked about. I know all of you guys have talked about. Me, Brandon, Brian have talked about. I've t- like, mm-hmm. but. We have not covered on the pod, actually. We've not talked about intimacy. And mm-hmm. we said at the beginning, like, we're just going to be vulnerable and talk about this shit. Here's a real opportunity for us to talk about the difficulties of intimacy post-loss and 
not, we don't need the details, but like, how did you get back to normal? Oh, Let's go you. there, right? Let's not start with Joellen. I think this Let's is going to be really the... different. <laughs> I'm going to go vomit for 12 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Why not? Uh, why not? <laughs> why, why not? I think this is going to be diff very different for all of us because yep. our yeah. losses were so yeah. different. And our yeah. circumstances were so different. I think it's going to be different for all of us. So, so let's do this. Let's flip it a little us. bit here. Guys, let's start. Because we keep asking questions of the ladies. I like that. I think that's a little bit let's, yeah, easier sure. transition. So, Brian, the yeah. thought of intimacy post-Austin, and how did you get to – you have two beautiful kids yeah, after, no, so I, clearly I, you tried again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was just too tough. No, but her mom's not listening, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think one huge major thought that I went through as a guy, and I think a lot of guys do, is like when you want to have that sort of like physical touch with your partner, and that you knowing that they're sad, it, it's it's hard to like make that move again where, you know, prior, I think it was a lot more seamless, you know, like there's signs, you, you know, whether it's kissing or, or something, but I think afterwards I, I, I felt weird making the move. If that sounds, you know, accurate or, or right. Like, Absolutely. Just, I, I didn't know like mm -hmm. when to touch her, you know, how that was going to feel like you I'm super sensitive to body language and it, it, it was really hard to get onto that point. And then obviously we had the, the discussion of do, you know, do we want to have another kid? Are we ready for that? And that's a whole nother you know, discussion we can talk about. But when we made the decision to do it, it, there was a point where it did feel like a job a little bit, like it, yeah. The intimacy of it and the fun of it was taken out a little bit, I think, because we wanted to have, at that point we wanted to have mm -hmm. another kid, and you're just focused on that. You know? This yeah. we can all relate to, Brian. Yes, this all three of us here. can relate to very Everyone's strongly. On the clock. It is a job. It is not even fun anymore because it's like we have to go right now. Which, as men, it. is so simple to do, by the way. Like, oh, yeah, salute. Here we go. Uh <laughs> That's tough for everybody. Uh, I, no. Brandon, your thoughts. Yeah. Not fun. I, I think Brian and Jess took it like right out of the park on that. Like, it. Right after, you know, I kind of, no lie, I let Joellen kind of like, mm -hmm. whenever you're ready, let me know. And there wasn't there was no conversation. Whenever you're ready, let me know. And like you said, like we said, like we went through the IVF process after having stories. So like it became yeah. your third job, like literally your third or fourth job. And all right, here we go. Through into All right, here we go. That's gone. Yeah, that's bro, yeah, all right. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> clocked out the window. You're absolutely correct. So that part but i mean we we tried to you know spice it up whatever from there on to and stuff like that but it, no brad you can put your earphones exactly. back on you're, you're a good kid don't worry about it and 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 then <laughs> no but uh yeah it, be, it became we tried to spice it up like you said from the <clears throat> from that point over but 
it, it just became a, yeah. a, a internship. Darn it. My biggest challenge. So. <laughs> we're all yeah. incredibly blessed to be married to beautiful women. So like that part was not difficult, but like 0% of the time did life feel flirtatious or sexy, right? Like after loss. Yes. And again, you're in sweatpants 99% of the time anyways, cause it's COVID like you never even like, I mean, I like barely showered. <laughs> any of us, any of us did. Let's be honest, just barely showered. Oh, yeah. Wearing paint-covered <laughs> shorts as we speak, and this is years later, right? Like in the middle of COVID, it was. Yeah. You know, so you add that, and then lost, like you know, just like the the intimacy using that word. We're not just talking sex, but like intimacy as you know, sort of that emotional connection and the the the, the flirtation, and everything that builds to ultimately sex, we're just gone. And in mm-hmm. where for years, that was 0% of effort, right? Like that part took no effort to be mm-hmm. attracted to, you know, get to that point. Now it took all the effort in the world. And that just felt like a, a, a car ride so far away that I could never get to it. It just felt right. Mm-hmm. It was very and so in, Yeah. Talk on mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's you're, you. You agree? Like I agree with you. Like I know during that moment, during that time of you know after I lost the story, I looked like a homeless man sitting on Genesee Street. <laughs> My hair was horrible. I had a temper. He grew it. He had hair. Oh my gosh! I had the Willie way back. It was horrible. It it was a mess. There's no cuteness. There was no cute. There was no like, hey there. No. You sit your old self down, Mr. Brandon Thurman, and you can just relax well, here and I watch mean, TV. Like right after Story died, it was I just had a C section. So yeah. and, and you don't Correct. get to bring a baby home, but you still have a C section and your milk comes in. So that's like really mm. sexy when you don't have a baby to feed. Mm. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm gonna like explode here. But on top of that, I still had regular yeah. ass c-section like i still all the you know had all i won't ruin everyone's ears but all the, the things that come with having a c-section and all the supplies and all the things mm. and like that's a long time just in that so you know like that that was a phase then there's the don't touch me phase you know like all of those i actually don't even remember how long it could have possibly been and nor did I actually care. Like it really was just kind of like, it was just you getting up. Mm-hmm. It's a jagged edge. All right. So, so let's not try to put a timeline to it because I don't think we want to put, you know, unrealistic pretenses around people that we can't even measure ourselves. But if we as a collective group of three uh, strong married couples that obviously have gotten to that point, like what advice would we give to listeners of how do you get comfortable getting back to that point? Do we have a piece of advice? I, it's not like I got one up the sleeve that I'm waiting to, to lay on you. Lindsay, you look. Yeah. Yes. Communication. Lindsay, speak on the point. It looked like you had something. Lindsay. Oh, I, I, I mean, Brandon, you mm-hmm. said it, communication. You know, I feel like there would be absolutely nothing physically happening if I didn't feel some sort of connection with Bry, and it all starts with communication, you know, 
um like there 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 was time there was a time like <laughs> Joe Helen you said the don't touch me time I mean that that was there and I so fully related to um also the physicality of it like you know after Austin died like I'd been breastfeeding him for the entire time that he was alive and all of a sudden you know it's like my yeah yeah just the physicality of it was yeah. it was so awful and the grief also is so physical right like I feel it with mm. physically mm. weighing me down mm. and my stomach was constantly in knots I was so physically in in turmoil physically from the torture that I was going through yeah. like that Ill. being physical with another person like I wasn't even okay in my own body and so being physical with another person was like mm. what like no that's just it wasn't even a thought that was possible. But then it became something that had to happen because we wanted so badly to have another child and not even another child. I wasn't even trying to have another child. I was trying to have Austin. I was, I, there was a piece of me that felt, it's like, okay, if we can just get pregnant mm. now, like we, we just had him, he was just here. If we can just get pregnant now, like, maybe my body can make him again. Like maybe he would be reincarnated to us. Like maybe, you know, like how, who knows? I was questioning everything. Right. And so I, I thought maybe that we could do that. And so it became not about us physically connecting, which, you know, in the past it had, you know, been fun and, and, and light and brought us so much closer together. It was like, no, we need to do this for, yeah. you know, to bring him and I think from a guy's perspective, from my perspective in that moment, it, it's tough getting shot down. You know, like, mm. we all have needs. And I think as a guy, like... And no yeah, one wants that. We don't want to shoot you guys down. You know, it, it goes back to what we <laughs> started in this episode. Like, we grieve in different ways. We don't necessarily... We have different perspectives on life in general. And I think when you're trying to get back to intimacy and you want to have sex you're feeling it and then you get shot down and then you get it happens again the next day you get shot down again it's hard as a guy to be like mm -hmm. does she even like me anymore like i had that thought i do when <laughs> <laughs> we see that bed behind you guys one other big piece for me from an intimacy perspective that i struggled with too is you know we've talked about in the pod where we feel like we were just saying it earlier where our wives are grieving you know, such a significant part of the day and you don't feel like you're seeing us grieve to the extent that you are. And then to come up to you and be like, Hey baby, it's sexy time. Like that just felt like the most insensitive thing of all time. Right? Like, and, and I'm saying that in a super, I hope you're not saying you, that. I'm saying that in a super lighthearted way, obviously, for this. But, like, if you take it at, at the core of what I'm trying to say here is, you know, in your darkest mm -hmm. hour in the, the weeks and months following, and if you're already thinking that I'm not grieving to the extent that you want me to, if I'm now just putting sex back on the table, does that just exacerbate that perception that I've moved on? type of thing like and i struggled with that a lot right 
I'll say for us, um, we dove literally directly into IVF. Um, you know, Beckham was, was a termination for medical reasons. And so we knew that we had to do IVF. Um, there was the only way that we could grow our family. And I told myself that if we just dove into IVF and I got pregnant again, that was going to heal me. <laughs> Newsflash, it didn't. Um, and I don't think even if we had already here, it would have. I, I don't think that was the answer. Um, but that's how I, I handled my grief for a good while was I just dove into IVF and was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put this, the family on my shoulders and I'm going to make this baby and it's going to be okay. But IVF and um, just general sexiness don't go together. Um, IVF and trying to just have a normal intimate relationship don't, it, they're not compatible um, at all. Um, at least in, in my um, perspective, and I know probably for Joel and Brandon as well, and probably for most people that have done IVF, it is such a, such a process and such a just absolute science that there's no, there's not even room for that. It's so meticulous and timed and everything just has to go to perfection to even make said baby that, and you're, and you're just doing, you're pouring your entire being into making said baby and all of your funds and your entire life into this, that there's just no, I mean, sexiness is just completely out the window at that point. Yeah. And for me grieving and then throwing myself into IVF, it was like, good luck, Brad, because it's just not, it's just not yeah. a place that I'm in, yeah. you know, and that, so that maybe took, if, that uh, time. I, I don't think any of us necessarily <laughs> have like the perfect piece of advice here, but it's kind of trying to put a bow on this really fun conversation um, is it, it kind of in what I'm hearing a little bit is like finding our ways back to the depth of our emotional connection and just loving each other and, you know, right. parking the sexiness part of all of this to the side and just communicating, reestablishing your healthy marriage and the pieces that you love about each other. Yeah. yeah. And then Remembering you will how find your you way there. Other. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I think with me and Joellen, we went back to our pre marriage days of just mm -hmm. dating like we just dated like we became even closer best friends bar none like i'll put her up against anyone that knows anything <laughs> about any hip-hop but we we debated about music we debated <laughs> about sports we debated about you know clothes we debated about everything but like that's how our friendship is like we we'd have debates we talk we we talk about this show we watch we got locked in on Grey's Anatomy. Horrible show, yeah. by the way, if you're going through grief. <laughs> but I love I love Grey's Anatomy, but we locked in on Grey's Anatomy. Also Chicago's and stuff like that, but like that's what we did. And we became closer. Right, it is. And we became closer through that. I, I, definitely so for me. I love that you said um, little Bo, too, and Brandon, that you said it started like emotionally. Like I love that. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. And just yeah. like, as, if I could put another little bow on it, you know, for anyone who's listening, I would say that just mm -hmm. to give the hope, right? Like it does, it, it, it comes back. It, yeah. It does. Yeah, it we're, we're, it we're does. four years out Absolutely. now. And it's, 
where at first it seemed impossible, you know, it's wink, wink. (laughs) 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 You know, yeah, we're, we're, just say that Brad and I are still in the yeah. year out. So but, we're but wink, still, wink. We're, we're, we're okay. Still we're, we're still in the thick of it a little bit. But I, I remember, right. I, think, I think it was on the supporting your spouse G&G Q&A, Brian, where we said, you know, it takes intention. Like to be a supportive partner, mm-hmm. you have to lean in, fellas. And like, you can't just expect your wife to come leaning in all the way. You have to do the same. And I think maybe intimacy is probably the same piece here. Like it, it is a progress. It's emotional connection, like you said, Brandon. Like it takes talking. It's not like I can just rip off my clothes and walk into a room, and she's gonna be like, "All right, let's do it." Like I would. It takes. I don't know. I mean, I did it. Each other again, and you know, grief and intimacy. I'll take it a step further. What you said, Jess. Like IVF and um, intimacy don't go well together. I don't think grief. And intimacy go well together. And then you throw in living children. With mm. You're right. Well said. Well said. You're right. Really, yeah. Yeah. Like you don't living children in general. Good point. <laughs> Just in yeah, general, yeah. if you have a child, really good discussion. <laughs> Let's move on to the next topic, Brad. Yes. Let's rapid fire a couple questions here. Let's give some, you know, succinct thoughts because. You know, just conscious of time here, um, and then we'll leave some some bigger ones for the end. Yeah. All right. So, quick one here, ladies. And uh, quick, I mean, like, give a minute or two. You know, not a thirty second type of thing. A predominant emotion for men through this is anger, and we actually talk about that in a whole G and G Q and A. Do women feel anger to the same extent? Um, and how does that affect your ability to grieve with your partner? Um. Do you feel anger in the same way, Joe? I wasn't angry in the same way. No, I felt very guilty. I felt very responsible. Like I should have known. Um, I didn't feel, there was moments of it. I was angry, of course, but like, I don't think I was as angry as Brandon. Um, I don't think he was even like super angry. Um, But, you know, I did have some of that during the grieving process and like sometimes it still comes back but i can't say that i had a ton of anger it was more a lot of like just guilt mm-hmm. yeah. i was gonna say something else and i forgot what i was gonna say so. oh, good. <laughs> Jess? yeah lynn's jess they can speak for lynn she she would get angry at the this kind of the stuff we've said in other pods like when people would say the wrong thing or be like insensitive. Yeah. Lynn, oh, yeah. Lynn's had no trouble telling them to go fuck themselves. Yeah. Was... So I'm good at that too. <laughs> and especially, it, I talked about it on my emotions, but she had similar emotions where uh-huh. people did stupid shit, and yeah. that that would be the anger I think she felt for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, especially, you know, any anything along the lines of, like, you need to move on. It was mm. just like, oh, no, oh, no, move on. Yeah, fuck that noise. <laughs> like, Lindsay, you were saying something before we started recording. What did somebody um... – Oh, yeah, a... yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. So, um, oh, 
Yeah, all these assholes. So all <laughs> the, <laughs> the fucking valet at Stanford Hospital. He's probably I listening. Get paid he's like, I'm so dick. sorry. That's <laughs> what is this? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you, you had a really good point earlier. Before we even start recording, yeah. So one of the things that people would say, people have such just beautiful little mm. jewels they want to give you, right? Yes, just yes, just jewels, nuggets. And um, after we lost Austin, um, something that people would say, a lot of people would come up and say to us is like, oh my gosh, you were, you lost a child. Do you know that 80% of people who lose a child get divorced? Thanks, statistician. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What a lovely, supportive thing to say. Out of all the things you could have chosen to say to me, that's, that's the one you went with. So here's the Tinder app. You should download this. Start swiping around. Yes, that's how Jessica and I met. So no hate on Tinder. Tinder, Tinder, if you would also like to be a sponsor. Jesus. These these plugs here. Hey, hold on, Lens. That might be a good topic there. No. Jeez. Talking to divorced Ooh, families yeah, during this process. That that's might work. Season two uh, cliffhanger right there. Put it in books. Jess, how about so, anger? Dun, dun, dun. Sorry, Brian. I just want to just be real quick. I was angry. I was angry at my body for giving my son a debilitating disease. I didn't do it. My, I didn't consciously do it, but my body did it. I was angry. So angry. Um, at the same exact moment, I was so grateful that it, my body didn't give my living son that same disease. Yeah. It was a really weird juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, being unbearably angry, but at the same time, the most grateful you could possibly be was a really weird place to be in. Um, and then literally 364 days later to be just the most angry a person can possibly be. Um, to lose our baby girl for absolutely no reason. Um, I'm still angry. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be not angry about that. There's no reason. There's no, there's no, no one can tell me why that happened. Um, but I'm working through it. <laughs> and um, I think, I think anger is a real um, piece to all this. I think it's, I think it's relevant. I think it's warranted. Um, I don't know if that's it may true. Not be the most healthy. I think it's the most natural thing real. to feel through a lot of this is the anger of where we've been. And I think suppressing your anger is probably not healthy. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, no, you have to let it out. Like I feel yeah. that's very true. If you, if you hold it in and you're not getting angry or telling people you're angry about certain things, Yes. The anger is going to build up inside you. And something also <laughs> like just kind of realizing and hearing like you, Jess, you, Joellen, like we're, it feels like for women, a lot of the time we feel such intense anger, like to answer your question, Brad, like you guys feel angry. We feel so angry, but I think for women, our anger comes inward. We're angry at ourselves and mm. angry, so angry. At... Right. Yes. They're supposed to be keeping yes, these children that safe. That was my like 
that was my, it, it, it ate me alive. You know, like this was my job. This was my one thing. This is the one thing in life that mattered the most to me was keeping my children safe. And I always thought that if something was wrong, that I would, I was going to be super mom and I was going to jump in. I was going to fix it. And, you know, so like, why didn't I know? Why, why didn't I save? Why couldn't I save him? And, and so I, and I think Mm -hmm. in having all of that anger, you know, directed at, at myself, something that I did realize that I think might, might be helpful for, for people was also to realize that, I had to deal with it or else it was, I couldn't go on living with it the way it was going to destroy me. It could potentially have destroyed our marriage. And, but I also realized that it couldn't all be Brian's responsibility to, to handle that, to break that down, to, to take it all. He couldn't take it all. And like in moments where, we weren't necessarily communicating in the way that, you know, I personally needed at that time, I needed to find another place to go. And so that, and I think that was huge for my own healing, for our keeping our connection is connecting to other mothers who had lost a child and giving, giving it to them. Like I needed to put it someplace else. And so, you know, by communicating to someone else besides Brian, I could help get that anger out, connect with someone who has been there as well. And then when I came home to Bry, I was in a much better place to to do this together, if that makes sense. I think that's so important, Lindsay, because, I mean, once I started therapy and just talking to someone that helped me so much be able to communicate to Brad. I wasn't mad at him. He did nothing. I was never, not one day been mad at him. I'm mad at the situation. Right. I'm mad at the situation and, and that's it. I'm mad at the situation and it's, it's not, um, I don't know. It's not. It's not able to be understood, but it's just so honest. Yeah. That, that was so interesting. And and just to kind of move on, transition to the next topic a little bit. I, I'm really interested to know from all the ladies, what was one thing that the three of us did that really helped you through your grief? So, like, it just maybe just tell us a story, or like in general. Uh, something that we did, you know, whether it was dealing with family while you could grieve or, or dealing with uh, certain emotions that you didn't feel comfortable dealing with, like what what's something that our listeners could take away and say, you know, maybe this is a good tip that I can help my spouse with? Great question. Um, I feel like Brandon's pretty good with just like riding the wave and he just kind of lets me, I don't know, like take the lead on things. So like if I was ready to do something, he was on board. If I wasn't ready to do something, he didn't push it. Like, you know, he's, he was able to, uh, and he didn't like 
hide that. You know, it's not like he waited for me to decide and was like, oh yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, he's very much like, whatever, whatever you're ready, whatever you want to do. Do you want to travel? Do you want to stay home? You, like he, that was very helpful to me. Um, almost all the time, once in a while, I was like, make a fucking decision. You know, but like, <laughs> for the most part, I, I felt like everything was so out of control. So I needed to control everything. And um, Brandon was really good about just letting me at least feel like I was in control of something and forever, how, for however long that took. Beautiful point. Yeah. I mean, but I have to say, I really am so lucky. I feel like I have a really, really incredible guy. And I'm so Did grateful it. for you. Yeah. Um, Brian took on a lot of it. He really did. And, you know, looking back on it now that I'm a little bit further out, I can also, I have the space to see it more. Um, at the time, I don't know if I did. I'm not sure if I told you how much I appreciate you, but you I love you so much. And, um, I mean, he, he took on so much of it. He, we, we had, you know, a couple, I'm just thinking about family members, you know, who, you know, there were just a, a couple of things that were said that I, I kind of heard in the wings because Brian was the one to march out there and be like, Mm-mm. <laughs> nope, you're not going to say that to her. You're yeah. not going to go near her. <laughs> like, nope. I'm, I'm going to, you know, he became the protector and, and I don't know what I would have done, you know, without that, without that, you know, you you took on some of the he made sure that whatever was coming through to me was was gonna add something was was gonna add either peace or optimism or hope and any of the ugly he stood in front of you know that's beautiful yeah that's and i'm just so lucky you know that i had that yeah what about you jess you know, I think I, I see a lot of I see a lot of what Elizabeth just said, and I think that we're still um, for me, I'm I'm still in it a little bit. You know, it's been a year and just a little bit, so I'm still in it, and I'm yeah, <laughs> we're pushing through it. But it's been you know two years and one year, so we're not um, very far out yet. It's hard for me to see. Um, all of the brightness that um, has been shown to us in the last two years yet, but I know that, that I'm starting to, and that's, that's very, gives me a lot of promise, a lot of hope um, that we're getting to that place of normal again. You know, we've accepted the fact that we're not going to have any more children, yeah. which is a whole other podcast, which is really fucking mm-hmm. hard. Um, okay, but that's um, you know something that we're accepting, and Brad's been so so supportive of of just trying to I think get me to a place of acceptance of that because it's just the reality Maybe. that we're dealt. And we've we've worked really hard to just stay open and and keep the communication open. 
to be able to just talk through things and talk through our feelings each day. And yeah, we've learned a lot over the last two Well, I think we've uh, honestly just scratched the surface of where this conversation could go. Um, but maybe this is a, mm-hmm. a, a continued conversation for season two and many seasons to go on. Uh, ladies, we want to ask you one more question and then fellas, we'll, we'll start to wrap. What's a piece of advice you would give grieving lost fathers to better understand or support their grieving spouse? Lindsay, I'll come to you. Sure. So, um, I mean, and I know I feel like we've said it a bunch of times and I think that's a great thing because it's so incredibly important, but just communication, just communication, just, you know, listening and also sharing, right? Because we're both, we're on this journey together. Like, even if it looks different, we're on this journey together. And and the only way I know that I got through it is in connecting, you know, with Brian. And, and you know, just being open and honest. And especially for the men out there who might be listening, like, don't shove your emotions down, right? That it, at the end of the day, it's it, the emotions are going to come out in one way or another, mm-hmm. right? And so, for the best way for them to come out is through just an an honest conversation. Just just share it, even if it's ugly, an ugly emotion. Just share it, and you can you can relate. You can grow through that. You can honestly grow closer together by putting it all out there and in shoving it down. It's all, it's only going to keep, keep you further apart. So I think that would be my piece of advice. Just, just put it out there, just communicate it and just be in it together better than being alone. Great point. So what, <laughs> what was it fellas? Uh, uh, solitude is the enemy from Charles. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yep. Solitude Joe, Jess, Either one of you, what's a piece of advice you would give to guys in our situation? I, I think Lin, Lindsay hit it right on the head. There's like the communication piece and it's so our perspectives are so different. I mean, um, just like allowing your partner to just um, be heard, but also not don't tell me that I shouldn't feel guilty. You know, like, don't tell me how I should feel or how I, that I, that I didn't do anything wrong. And, um, cause that's, a, that like rationally doesn't sit with me in that moment. Like I should have known something was wrong. I should have been able to save her. Um, and it just, it just telling me that that's not the case makes me want to just like punch in the face, you know, like, just like listening to actually how I feel and not yep. trying to, um, relate to it, but just, you know, listen to it and, you know, have like something, like I said, we weren't good. What was the two way dialogue? Like I was talking a lot and, you know, now we're a million times better than we were in those, that first few months, but, um, just really like allowing your partner to communicate with you about how they're really feeling. And, um, seeking support outside of your house, if necessary. Good point. Jess, take us home. One thing I want to say to all the men out there is that hormones are real. 
And um, if you've lost, if, if your wife has lost a baby, you know, um, within months of having that child or is still carrying that child when she lost that child, hormones are real. <laughs> and I know it, it, it's so hard for men to even begin to comprehend the gravity of those emotions or those, the hormones that are happening, but it's, it's so real. And just try to ride that wave with your wife and try to try to be as open and understanding as you can because she's yeah. there there's a beast inside of your wife that is, is is not able to be tamed. And it's not we're not trying to be mean, we're not trying to be um as emotional as we are, it's something that is innate in us. And um, I think that's something that's hard for everyone to understand, women and men, is that, you know, this this thing has happened and our body doing insane things. And it's really hard for everyone to navigate that. And then secondly, I'll just say that, you know, echoing everybody else, communication is key. And being open and being vulnerable with your spouse and just letting everything out there to just be what it is and try not to seek perfection as I do every day. Um, perfection is our enemy as well as solitude. And um, just try to love each other and remember the love that you have for each other and let that carry you through. I think it's so beautiful that we come back to this very fundamental and simplistic sort of core value of communication and everything. Yeah. But it, it sounds so simple in and of itself. Well, ladies, we are unbelievably grateful for you spending an hour and a half with us and your vulnerability. I I know how raw and real these emotions are. And every time we talk in these forums, we open up those wounds a little bit, but maybe it's also we heal them a little bit more when we do them too. And so uh, personally, I'm just so grateful for all of you beautiful women. I love you all with my whole heart. Uh, and I said on the very first episode that I'm not going to speak for Brian and Brandon, but I think in this moment, I'm kind of cool with it. Like how incredible you women are and yeah. how much we love all of you and your willingness to do this. Brian, Brandon, we would not be the men that we are without you three women being our backbone, being our support system, being our ears, being our mouth, like being that that person that the people that you guys are. So I, I, I'm going to speak for all of us too and say that we love you guys all. We thank you guys for everything. We commend you guys on how strong you guys are to deal with everything that you have dealt with. And all of our bullshit on top of it too. Thank you, ladies. (laughs) We love you. Fellas, this wraps season one. Holy shit. Um, Damn. Thank you. It, it, it gives me chills thinking about it. Um, right. and the only fitting way to do this is to speak our children's names. Brandon, do you want to start? Mm-hmm. Astoria Lee Thurman. Me and your mom love you to death and we will always love you. Mom. Wait, no, this is Brandon. <laughs> mom. Love you so. Love you so, so. Beckham and Ariana. Um, you have changed our lives forever and you will always part of our family, a part of why we exist. 
part of why this podcast, the reason why this podcast exists. Um, I, I love you and can't wait to meet you one day. And thank you to all of our listeners. We are so grateful for all of your support. This started as, as Brandon said, it started as a dream and a couple phone calls. And here we are 35 countries later, hundreds of listeners later. I never in a million years fathomed we'd, we'd be doing what we're doing. Um, and I'm just so grateful for the five people that are uh, standing beside me and doing this. And I love you all so much. Listeners, I love you in some way, shape, or form. Please come back and join us for season two. <laughs> Hit us up on all of our social channels. Love you, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Love you guys. Thanks. Love you guys.